Dear Lord, we thank you again for another chance to be able to hear the words that you have to go through your scriptures to rightly divide the word, study to rightly divide what it is that you've said, that you've allowed to be said, that you have brought forth from your truth to us so that we can be a worker not ashamed, that we can stand boldly and confident in your word and not ours. We thank you for health. We thank you for life. We thank you for strength. We thank you for your Holy Spirit being our only true teacher. And we thank you for sending your angels constantly as an encampment around us. Lord, I pray that this word goes out. We'll do exactly what you said. I know it will. We stand by and believe that it will not return to you void, that it will accomplish exactly as you have said it. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we're going to get into one of the uh, really discussed topics today because it really doesn't fit the narrative of society and most importantly, church institutions. And we're going to talk about doctrines of demons, right? Doctrines of demons. And one place that you find how this became very known to the church through the Apostle Paul is when he was writing to Timothy regarding what's going to happen in the end times. What's going to happen as we get closer to seeing the return of Jesus Christ, if we are still alive. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, he says, The Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart the faith and give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And what is a doctrine? A doctrine is ultimately a, a belief system. It's a creed. It's a way that you follow things through, whether it's traditions, customs, whatever the case may be. You believe that this teaching re reflects your faith or your way of life or the way you ought to carry your life. And Paul says that in a later time, in times that is relation to uh, Christ's return, he said people are going to leave the faith, the doctrine that was established through the ministry of Jesus Christ and those whom he had called to set out the order to establish the foundation and the actual way the believers ought to follow. He said people are going to depart that and they're going to give in to seducing spirits, spirits that pull them in. It has some kind of seducing way, something that gratifies them. It's going to pull them in and, and they're going to ultimately follow doctrines that are contrary to the faith. And what's interesting about this is that before Paul was called, when Christ was uh, when Christ was on the earth, walking the earth, fulfilling his ministry, he actually gave us a understanding or a uh, kind of a glimpse of what we should expect when we look for doctrines of demons. And he does this in Mark chapter seven, where it talks about how the Pharisees and the scribes in verse one, they said they came from Jerusalem and they saw that the disciples uh, were eating bread defiled, which meant that they actually were eating without washing their hands. And because of this, they found fault with the disciples that Jesus had chosen. 
And the Pharisees said that all the Jews, to include themselves, don't eat unless they wash their hands in a special way. It wasn't uh, just normal, put some water and soap in your hands. There was a special way that uh, those who were of the Jewish culture and the Pharisees followed and said they were holding to the tradition of the elders. Said when they come from the marketplace, in verse 4 it says, uh, they do not eat unless they wash. So they don't even touch the food. They don't sit down and prepare the plates. They don't do anything until they wash their hands in a special way. It says, and there are many other things which they received and hold, like washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and uh, couches. So there were several different things, these traditions, these customs, ultimately doctrines that they were following to say that, listen, this is what we do because this is what we believe. And then the Pharisees and the scribes came to him in verse five. And they asked, he said, why do your disciples not walking according to tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? And here's what Jesus tells them in verse six. He's answered and says unto them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written? These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And in vain, they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Jesus is talking about when Isaiah had prophesied of what the Pharisees, the, the Jews and these people who ultimately stopped following the commands of God to uphold traditions, to uphold customs or even commands that they came up with to try to make them seem as if they were more godly, they're more uh, worthy or whatever the case may be. They were holding to these different man-made established rules and laws. And Jesus said that they don't even uh, actually honor him. They don't even care about him. He said they really are just giving out some lip service. They're just talking. They're not actually walking out what they believe. In verse 80 says, for laying aside the commandments of God, you hold traditions of men, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. And in verse nine, he said, he said unto them all too well, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Now it's so amazing when you look at this, Jesus has his interaction with the Pharisees and the scribes who are challenging his disciples about the traditions they established. Not something God told them to do, something they had established, something you cannot even go back to the prophecies that were given, the, the order, the law that Moses had established for the people that came from God. You can't find anything that validates what they're talking about. And he said, you basically lay aside the commandments of God to uphold traditions of man. This is ultimately a doctrine of demons, right? a doctrine of man. And in Proverbs clearly tells you how people get this idea. This is how they ought to operate. But ultimately, it's a devil's way of thinking because everybody has their way. They want to think about they think they ought to operate this way. They ought to follow these certain rules. And it comes from the flesh. It comes from self. In Proverbs 14, 12, he says, there is a way that seemeth right to the to a man, but to the in thereof are the ways of death. You know, this statement that Solomon made clearly identifies what we're looking at here when Jesus is talking to uh, these 
ultimately hypocrites because they claim to be followers of God. They claim to be upholders of the truth. They claim that they are a true overseers of God's people, yet they completely lay aside the command that God gives them so they can follow what they think is best. And Jesus gives a clear example of this in uh, verse 10. He says, for Moses said, honor your mother and father. And he who curses his mother and father, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says his to his father and mother, whatever profit you may receive from me in Corbin, that is a gift of God, then you no longer let him be anything for his father and mother, making the word of God no effect through your traditions, which you have handed down and many such things you do. Jesus Christ is flat out calling them out. He said, you're basically breaking the commandment that Moses said. If you, in that time, under the law, disrespected your mother and father, you were supposed to be put to death. But because of tradition, because of customs, they went against the law. Now, obviously, this probably worked out good for some people who got a second chance, you know, disrespecting their parent because they didn't have to go through with the punishment. But at the end of the day, it wasn't the fulfillment of the law that was established from God through Moses for the people of God. And when you look at today and what we see under the new covenant, which is Jesus Christ, we see the same exact thing happening in many church institutions today. God's word has been twisted, has been altered, and in a lot of cases removed so that traditions can be brought forth to allow people to fulfill what they want to do. It's no different than what happened with these Pharisees and Sadducees because God's law was plain. It was simple. If you disobeyed, you dishonored your mother and father, here is the punishment. But grace now, which is turned into lewdness by false prophets, by false apostles, by you know false preachers and teachers, uh, is being used, is being twisted. The grace is being uh really turned upside down to allow churches to justify walking in a way that God never called them to walk. There's so many different things when you look at it. You know, let's take one of the prime examples today. Many of the church institutions have given into this feminist idea about women having leadership roles in the church. But Paul, when he outlined the establishment of the church. Paul, who was called by Christ, by way of the Holy Spirit, was given the order for the church. And he said that a woman is not to have authority over man or teach. But you have women pastors. You have women elders. And when you look at it, the word of God has been Set aside, as Jesus Christ tells the Pharisees, so that traditions can go forth. Things that people want to accept rather than what God's word says. And he said that ultimately, because they reject the commands, they make the word of God no effect. You have so many different examples when you look at the church. That's why I got to always say, if we get the Bible, the New Testament scripture. And we align it to we take it and we align it to the things that we see operate in this social gospel or progressive Christianity 
uh, church institutions of today, we will find that there is a lot, there is a significant amount of some of the most essential things God called us to do that are not being done. Essential. There is such as marriage. It, it clearly tells in scripture who is a male, who is a female, how marriage is accepted in God's eyes. But as a custom that is more appealing to the social environment, we've set aside God's law ultimately to justify flesh. This is a doctrine of a demon. You know, and Jesus talked about who these people really are. You know, when the Pharisees had came to Jesus and again trying to tempt him in John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus told him this. He said, ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye have, you will do. Say he was a murderer from the beginning and he abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. He said, and because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Everyone who comes forth, who brings their traditions or customs or whatever it is that cannot be upheld in scripture is a child of the devil. Period. Paul says clearly, those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. But in today's uh, customs and traditions, we're not supposed to say that to people because ultimately uh, God created all mankind and we are all his children. But the Bible does not say that, but it does fit the customs. It does fit the current social climate of, uh, of the church gospel today, where it's not nice to tell people that you're really not a child of God because you're not being led by the spirit of God. And unfortunately, the word of God has no effect. This is why we don't see healing being done in the church by elders. This is why people come into church and they don't get set free. This is why they say things such as I've been slain in the spirit. So I run up and down and I fall out on the floor. You know, or I lay hands on a person who had some kind of illness and they just pass out. But when you take the unadulterated word, the word of God is not twisted, it's not altered. And you apply it to the acts that you see, you can easily identify doctrines of demons. And we have to really understand this about demons. We have to understand about the enemy's use of God's word. This is why so many struggle to come out of falsehood. Because we don't really know why or how the enemy uses these doctrines. Satan is not coming full blow with some off the wall, completely twisted, cannot relate word of God. He's not going to do that. He has no just far left understanding. He has since the beginning of his interaction with the first man and the first woman to this very day have taken what God said, added a variation to what he said. He didn't remove it. He didn't completely do away with the scripture and put something else in. He put a little spin on it and he gives it to uh, 
those who will actually go forward with it. And when we don't recognize this, we find ourselves in church institutions that operate with doctrines of demons. I grew up in a social gospel church. And I saw many women pastors come forth and preach. And I thought, well, there's nothing wrong with that. She seems to have the word of God. She seems to be on point. I, I, I've seen, um, you know, I was part of a Methodist church where the pastor was a woman and ran the church. But where can we find the word of God? Where can we look in the scriptures to actually support this action? Someone told me here not too long ago that there were several women that God used in the Old and the New Testament. Absolutely. That is a very, very true statement. However, how did he use them? That's what we have to look at. Not just because, well, God used them so we can do whatever we want to do. It says that, you know, if you want to be a, a, a deacon, an elder, you have to have a one wife, not multiple. There's there's so many different things we see twisted around because in the, the day it's about gratifying the flesh. It's not about doing the will of God. And obviously Jesus clearly points this out when he repeats the prophecy of Isaiah said these people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And how is it that they're honoring God with their lips? And have no true heart in him is that they do not follow his commands, but rather doctrines, the commands of men. He, they teach these things of men and not the things that are clearly from God. And this is why these houses or these churches or synagogues or whatever you want to call them are out of order. They have no power. They may put on phenomenal services and the choir is just off the chain, they got all this excitement, these lights, they do these phenomenal resurrection services where Jesus is flying through the air and all this stuff happens. But people still are broke. They're suicidal. They're on drugs. They're promiscuous. They're depressed. What happened to coming into Christ and you a new creature? These old things are passed away. What happened to that? What happened to him uh, giving you a mind and giving you peace and giving you uh, joy. What, what, where does all that go? It can't happen inside of falsehood. It doesn't. Not at all. We need to look at this when we, as again, uh, listen to and associate with these uh, churches, especially the ones that are prominent of the world today. The Bible clearly says, expel the immoral brother from among you. Those who are sexually immoral, who have accepted the lifestyle, who believe that it's okay by God, it says, expel this person from among you. But that's not the social or acceptable thing to do in society because it doesn't look good. It's offensive to people. Yet here Christ says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Most important thing we have to look at is what are we sitting under? What are we listening to? What are we allowing to be fed into our spirit? Because those are the things that causes us to walk outside of the will of God. And we have to be in his will 
we want his anointing, if we want his protection, if we want his provision. I heard a pastor say a long time ago that God provides where he guides and he protects where he directs. So we're not receiving the provisions. We're not receiving the divine protection from God. It could be very well. Although we attend church religiously, although we're part of these ministry groups, it could be very well that we are sitting under the teachings of, of, of demons. We are being uh, raised up in doctrines that contradict his word. He said, all too well, you reject the commandments of God that you may keep tradition. We got to take the Bible and we got to put it right next to the churches we see and the things we look at and say, well, is this God's will? Let's see. Let's test it. Let's do as Paul said. Let's test this. Let's test what's being said, what's being done. What's being taught. You know, I remember reading Joel Osteen's book several years ago, Live Your Best Life Now. And I thought it was one of the most phenomenal books you can read. It has so many motivational, inspirational statements and stories in there. All the while, the, 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 the title of the book in itself, the title of itself, of itself was completely against God. It completely negated the faith. Because why would your time on earth be your best life now? We're supposed to be looking to a new heaven and a new earth where we are going to be transformed. Where there is no sickness and disease and death and tears and sorrow and hunger and pain. But yeah, you read this book and you're like, man, I got to get on it. I got to speak to myself and I got to have all these affirmations and do all these different things. Totally, totally missing the truth about God's word. It makes you even think when you read stuff like this, it makes you think you're not supposed to go through certain things. That all that you're supposed to somehow reach this platform on earth, this level on earth where you have, you know, residual income and you'll never deal with the problem again. Where you're supposed to have this certain sense of mindset where, uh, you know, whatever comes against me, I'm just going to speak about how I am wonderful and I am amazing and I am this and I am that. Completely forgetting the fact that we are wretched sinners saved by God's grace. So we take him out of the throne and put ourselves there. Living completely contrary to the will of God. There is a lot that happens that's happening in the world today. And this social gospel, uh, progressive Christianity is really in the end of the day, nothing new. It's nothing new. But the sad part about all of it is that it is the biggest, it is the largest, it is the most extensive teachings that have led so many people astray. Like I said, I used to be one of them, so I, I'm not speaking from a place where, you know, I heard about it, I read about it. I attended several of them. I was a part of the ministry. I was actually in the ministry following under things, traditions, rules, customs, commands that are not consistent with the teachings of God. Why did God say that women are not to have authority over a man in the church and are not to teach because it's a reflection of the headship of, of Christ and God, of Christ in the church. It is his image. When you go back to the Garden of Eden, 
The reason Satan never spoke to Adam, the man, he spoke to Eve, the woman, was to ultimately undermine Adam's authority. So you have a lot of people today who come out and say, well, you know, women will come out and say, well, God called me to preach. Well, God called me to teach. He called me to this leadership role in the church. Then that would make God a liar. Because when God came back into the Garden of Eden, when he came back to find out what happened, because he, you know, he is God. He said, Adam, where are you? He said, I hid because I was, in, I was afraid. He didn't speak to Eve. He didn't say, Eve, where is Adam? He said, Adam, where are you? And then after Adam failed to take responsibility for his action, he blamed the woman. Then God had addressed the woman who ultimately blamed the serpent. She didn't take responsibility either. And we see this, like I said, in the church today. These institutions that go around because, you know, there's there is this disorder that exists and it's really it really mirrors the, the world. It mirrors the community, the society. That's where it mirrors. You know, and this is this is one of the most uh, devastating things people will try to stay as far away from because it's 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 customary. A lot of people also are blind because the Bible says they refuse to love the truth and be saved. So the God of this world have blinded them, which is the first stage of God's wrath is spiritual blindness where you cannot even see the truth if it's right there in front of your face. That's a tough place to be. You, you, someone's bringing God's absolute truth to you and you can't even see it. You see you see a complete opposite. And it's only because of disobedience. Same thing when we see the different perversions regarding sexuality. The Bible says that God gave them over to a debased mind so that they can do the things which are not fitting. And the reason he gave them over, because at the end of the day, they didn't want to have a relationship with God. They wanted to fulfill self. And one of the huge things you won't hear in a lot of these new age churches is this. Yes, you confess Jesus and you go to heaven. And yes, if you make it in, God doesn't blot your name out like he talks about in Revelations. You're still going to be judged on the work you did. We're all going to be judged on the actions we took. And some people are going to be rewarded higher than other people. Some people are going to receive a very rich welcome into the kingdom. Some people are going to receive a poor welcome into the kingdom. And some people won't even receive a welcome. And when Jesus talks about the parable of the talents, he explains this. Because, you know, when you look at the parables of Jesus Christ, he often referred to the kingdom of heaven shall be like. That's, that's, that he was always given a reflection of what we should expect to see in the kingdom of heaven. And that's really important because when we go back and look at the Bible, it just wipes out that, that false idea that all you have to do is say Jesus. He's telling you that the kingdom of heaven, nowhere in his parables when he said for the kingdom of heaven is like that it said that he say the kingdom of heaven is like those who believe. And that was it. There were actions that had to be taken, whether it was the talents, it was the versions, it was the wedding banquet, whatever parable he told, there was something that had to be done. That had to actually take place. And when he talks about the talents, he was specific to say that there were three servants. One had received more than this than this the first one had to receive 
uh, five, then the next one received two, and the last one received one. And when the master went away, the one with five and two, they doubled their talent. The, 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 the one with one didn't do anything. He didn't like the master and how he operated today. And I see a lot of people like this. Well, I don't like God because, you know, he let wars happen. I don't like God because of this, because of that. So they don't do anything. They just they basically hate God. They go hide their talent. They hate him. They dislike him because they don't like how he operates. And when he returns, the one that had five received the talent from the one who did nothing with it. He got a rich welcome into the kingdom. And the one that did nothing but complain and was upset and found excuses was tied up, tossed out where they were weeping and gnashing the teeth. That's just one of the, of, the, of the several parables that Christ outlines about heaven. The place where all Christians say they want to go. But yet not taking the right actions as in line with the word of God, the complete word of God, not. Uh, the Church of God in Christ version or the Methodist or Baptist or the non-denominational or the Catholics, but according to the word of God, we're all going to have to uh, stand before him and, and give an account with what we did with the talent and the time that we had in this flesh. And I don't know anybody that's going to be able to uh, come up with a good enough excuse of why we were sitting under uh, partial half-truths doctrines of demons doctrines and commands of men and not god's complete word is it a tough road to be on when most people want to go with the crowd the norm the customs it is from time to time it's 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 a challenging place to be you know from time to time i speak to people and they seem to really uh take heed or they really are excited about the things that god has to share and i'm thinking man you know finally found somebody i can relate to and talk with and 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 they decide to go with the crowd. Paul himself experienced this. Every believer who wants to live a godly life will suffer persecution. And persecution doesn't doesn't necessarily mean the world. We have to realize this. Those of the world. Of course, Jesus said, the world's gonna hate you. We can never forget it was the Pharisees. Who had Jesus arrested and crucified him. Those were the church folks. So yeah, it's a challenge to step out of the the norm and the and the facades and the charades and, and ultimately Satan's version of God's word. It's a challenge when you know you're typically gonna step out with yourself and, and, and not most people. You can't walk into an institution like T.D. Jakes or Joel Osteen or Creflo Dollar and tell them that they're preaching doctrine, demon, the, the uh, security going to run you up out of there. And you may get a couple people that will turn their eyebrow up and start thinking like, well, what was that person really saying? But most people are not going to do that. There, there would be a great falling away from the truth. That's what they're falling away from, the absolute truth. And giving in to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. So for our sake, the sake of our soul and standing before God, we have to be very attentive to what we hear. We have to make decisions, as Jude said, that allows us to stand against what we hear. 
And we can't just accept whatever seems okay because everyone else is doing it. Because it's been something that's happened for a long time. When Christ came to the earth, he was establishing the new covenant. He was establishing a way that helped men overcome the failures of the old covenant. That was his purpose. To be the once and for all sacrifice. But the Pharisees who were uh, really traditional and customary regarding God's word. Uh, removing the pieces that were essential to God's word and replacing them with what they thought would be better to keep people entertained, excited to keep showing up. You know, ultimately, they they made his word of no effect, as the scriptures say. And when we don't know this truth for ourselves, we are sitting in a place of condemnation. Christ said there is no condemnation to those who are in him. The Bible says that. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not there is no condemnation because you said Jesus or you believe in Jesus. He said those who are in Jesus, in his will. Truth is important in this season. It's very important in this season. We are being held in bondage because we don't want to or we don't take the time to really get into the truth. You know, another thing that really is keeping people held down is this misunderstanding about repentance and forgiveness. Many people get stuck. They do things they have no business doing because they're pleading and begging and crying and, and whining for God to forgive them. And they believe this is what repentance is. And the, and the reality is not. That's not repentance. You do something that God has told us not to do, then we are to turn from that way. When you look at the Old Testament, man fell, man sinned, man did things that God did not tell him to do. They had to go and sacrifice animals. And that was the act of forgiveness. There was a life being received in exchange for their life because of their disobedience. But when Christ came, he became the once and for all sacrifice. So we don't have to beg God for forgiveness anymore. Forgiveness was taken care of on the cross. That's why Christ never said, ask God for forgiveness. He became the forgiveness for us. He became the final act of forgiveness. Now, our responsibility is to do what he said and repent. To, re to turn from ways that are against God. That was uh, the, one of the main reasons he came. But in this social gospel, progressive Christianity, people are being taught to go talk to the priest about their ways or... Go to the altar and cry and, 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 and yell out to God for forgiveness. And if you get loud enough and you cry hard enough, and somehow inside of you, you feel like you've been forgiven. Oh, so we have to go back to the Bible. 
We have to search this act up. We have to look up this this tra tradition or custom and we have to find out, is this truly God's word? Instead of just going along with what the masses is doing, which is many, many, many more things. We can spend hours talking about all the variations of altered truth that's been handed down to the people who attend these church institutions for decades. And it's only getting worse. If you grew up in a church, I'm sure you know, 25, 30 years ago, you would never see anyone accept a twisted version of marriage. Now, it is the custom in many church institutions. And it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get more and more devastating. But we, who are the children of God, have to be obedient to the will of God, which is study to show ourselves approved unto him, test everything we hear, contend, fight for what we believe, and make sure we stay fully equipped in the armor of God. Or else, the wiles of the devil is going to come along and sweep us up, and we're going to accept things because we don't want to be ostracized. We don't want to be blackballed. We don't want to be called out as a bigot or a hateful person that has no love in their heart. When Jesus walked the earth, that's everything he was called by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They said he was demon possessed the whole nine yards. And that's because when he walked the earth, he spoke to them in ways that called out their sins. It called out their unrighteousness. He called out things that were ultimately identifiers that they were not people of God. Very harsh statement. Especially to tell someone that who's been going to church their whole life. If we don't get into this word and let the Holy Spirit lead us, you go to church your whole life and still go to hell. How is that even possible? Well, look at the life of the Pharisees. They knew every bit of God's command. The Bible says that when they came to Jesus, the Pharisees and the scribes, and they found fault in his disciples because they didn't eat, or because they didn't wash their hands before they eat. He said that ultimately he ended up saying that these people were uh, Satan's children. <laughs> That's who they were. They weren't God's children. They were Satan's children. But here it is. They knew the law. They knew the commands of God. So I want to encourage all of us to be obedient. Don't do something because it's tradition. Don't do something because everybody's doing it and it sounds good and it seems good. We have to know that it is good, meaning it is God and not whatever preacher, pastor, pope, elder, deacon, evangelist, or whoever they say. So remember, God said judgment starts with the church. It starts with the house of God, the people of God. And many churches are under God's judgment. They're under his wrath. And again, the way you find that out is you look at the way they're carrying out the word of God. It does not align. Tough place to be. But I take it. I take this tough place any day. Over eternity in hell. So let's do the will of God. Let's be obedient. Let's walk in his commands, his truth.
And let's keep that armor. That's such an important piece. Paul would never have outlined that armor if he didn't believe, if he wasn't, uh, if it wasn't made known to him through the Holy Spirit that it was an important walk of a believer. So we can have that rich welcome into the kingdom and not be sent out in the darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your favor, for your grace, for the will that you have on our life. We thank you for the enemy being defeated, contrary to what's going on in the world today. We know that no weapon formed against us who serve you shall prosper. We are confident in your truth. We know that your word should not return in us void. We know that everything that you said shall fulfill everything that you sent it out to do. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.